0: Um, but we made it, and I, I'm usually the guy who never uses technology, because I'm like, invariably I'm going to use technology and it's not going to work. <laughs> and so we're over here, and Brooke and Marlene and I are back there trying to get everything going like that, and, and hopefully everything works here. But it is great to be with you this morning, and before I get started, I just want to open up in prayer. Lord, I just thank you that we can be here together, Lord, in your house to worship you, and to sing your praises, Lord. Lord, it might feel ordinary when we come through these doors and we pray for one another and we worship, Lord, but we come into sacred space. And Lord, uh, it's not that we leave our burdens at the door, but we bring them in with us so that we can lay them at your feet and where you can redeem them. Lord, uh, as I talk today just a little bit about the ministry of ratio Christi, um, help me to do so with clarity and... Um, just the amazing things that um, you've got planned through the ministry. And Father, I pray that we would be edified in the process. Just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, as, as my dad, Dean Summer, mentioned, I'm, I'm his son, and uh, the son of my mother, Nancy, back there, and uh, also the brother of Maggie and brother-in-law of, of Peter, so I've been here a few times. Our family has been blessed to, to worship with you all. And for, for me, it is a pleasure to tell kind of what the Lord's been doing in our, our lives recently. And, you know, if that's something that you would want to be involved in as well. Um, it's always fun to, to know where people have gone from and where they're going to. Uh, and as I always say, the Lord's plans are not my plans and Lord's ways. Are, he knows far better than I ever do. Because I don't know about you, but there's times you get your plans and you start holding on to them and then God starts prying your fingers wide open. And he's done that all my life. Um, from going over to college in, in Iowa, at Northwestern, and I started out beginning, I was going to be a vet over there and it didn't take long that the Lord said, nope, not doing that. Uh, and he kind of turned my eyes a different, different way towards uh, vocational ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like for a long time. And so it kind of felt like a little bit of a wandering season about what God was calling me to. And uh, eventually, after completing my, my business degree over there, I headed south to Dallas Theological Seminary, um, where I had an amazing opportunity to study under just amazingly godly men and women. And it changed my life. And during that time, uh, God continued to, little by little, bring clarity about <laughs> what in the world. He wants for my life. And really, the the big thing he placed on there is who he wants me to minister to. My academic mentor down there, Daryl Bach, uh, he kind of left that thorny question on my heart that I've been seeking to try to work at for the rest of my life. And that is this. As the church, how do we do a better job about taking young Christians from the youth group to the adult working world? That is, how do we get them, when they're young and excited about their faith, to actually launch well out into the world, Um, when unfortunately it feels like a lot of times as a young adult there's kind of that tripping and stumbling, and eventually you make it out there, but you take your bruises all on the way. And so learning uh, from this youngest generation and ministering to them has been a huge part of my life. And so after graduating, I pastored down there in Texas, just north of Dallas for about a year and a half before um, we were called to go and to serve at Ohio Christian University with some friends up there. And so being in the Residence Life program, uh, I I got to see the thick and thin of all that was going on in the lives of students. Um, And from there, we were there for two years, and it was an amazing time of learning and growing and uh, being together with God's people. But then uh, with... Uh, the changing of my job out there and the opportunity to get closer back towards home. Uh, Two years ago, a little over, uh, we ended up moving back here to Nebraska, and um, we've been in Wayne for the last two years before recently being able to relocate out to our our family ranch. Um, And I was serving over there at Wayne State College um, in advising, and so I would get to sit with about 150 or so freshmen and not only help them make sure that they were getting on the right academic program, but also to just be there with them, because they had a lot of questions, they were going through a lot of things, um, and life just never turns out quite the way that you expect. Does um, it want to work back there? Yep. Right. Oh, there we go. There we go. And so, really about a year ago, um, as much as I enjoyed my work there at Wayne State College, my wife and I we began to pray about, Lord, is there a, a different direction or new doors that You wanted to open up and, and opportunities? And lo and behold, God answered, <laughs> like He tends to. Um, and uh, actually, was having coffee with one of our interns over there, this really cool guy from Tanzania, just on fire for the Lord. His name is Peter, and uh, Peter and I were having coffee, and originally he was just wanting to find someone to be the faculty staff advisor for this new club that he was wanting to start on campus. Because as he was pursuing his master's degree there at Wayne State College, he had students in his cohort that several of them were Muslims. And he was just like, how do I talk to Muslims about my faith? And there were no other campus ministries helping to equip students to not only talk to other students of other faiths, but also to non-believing students. And how, how do we share your faith and help to... Um, when those other students have hard questions, how, how do I answer those? And, and so he started looking into Roscio Christi a little bit. And through several conversations and meeting with the regional director um, who's over the whole Midwest for Roscio Christi, uh, his name is Wesley, he was goes, hey, Casey, you're one of us. You really need to consider and pray, pray about whether coming on board with us full time is something that the Lord would have for you. And so after a couple months of praying about it, that's what we decided that where the Lord is leading us. And since February, um, we've been working with them. In June, I finished up my job full-time there at Wayne, and we're living as as full-time supported missionaries now, seeking to serve not only the Wayne State campus, but as I'll explain, a four-state area from Kansas to all the way to North Dakota. So Roshu Christie, what in the world is that? First of all, I can't uh, help, but first of all, that's my wonderful family. Um, my just amazing wife and our two little um, beautiful kids, um, they're a handful. I love them to death. Uh, they keep us busy, as you can tell. They, they like their shenanigans, um, and they, um, we appreciate how Riley loves her little brother, even though it, they, they roughhouse a lot. All right, is this one? Maybe? Can you hit next slide by chance? <laughs> well, while we're doing that, I'll keep going. Uh, Roshio Christi, as you're going to see here in a second, it actually is Latin, um, and it's Latin for the reason of Christ. And uh, at its very core, it's an apologetics and evangelism ministry, and that's kind of where we focus of sorts. Uh, You can kind of see up there on the logo, you can kind of see there's these two squares that kind of come together there. Um, What those represent is one of them represents the apologetics, the other one represents evangelism. We believe those two can't be separated. So you can't just have apologetics. We don't want smart people running around out there just simply looking to prove people wrong. That is not the Lord's will. Um, And yet evangelism, as You probably discover over time of having conversations with people, people have questions, people have doubts, they've got things that are on their heart, maybe holdups that they've had over time, struggles that maybe prevent them from considering, should I should I trust Jesus? Um, is the gospel true? And so those two kind of come together, and when we get back there, you also will notice that they're linked together um and that's for a reason is because we want to link together with other ministries we're not meant to be a, a standalone ministry any luck i just knew today was going to be that day <laughs> all right we go, we got the next one all right yeah so reason of christ apologetics and evangelism there we go yep so <laughs> we're in business so yeah, just like I said about the logo there, it's very intentional because that's really at the core of our identity and our culture. And so when we think about like, who we are and where we, what we're all about, um, we want to be thoughtful Christianity. Um, that is, that we want to transform lives on campus today so that we can transform, we can change the culture of tomorrow. And we do that um, by being this movement that seeks to equip students but also faculty, um, in order so that they are able to give these good reasons—these good philosophical, historical, and scientific, etc. reasons—for why they should follow Jesus. That might sound big, but it's okay. The one thing I always tell people is, you're never going to know all the answers, and that's okay. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep growing and seeking to learn those, so that we can um, be able to present the gospel. Um, with more clarity, and to help remove unnecessary barriers for people. Um, as the, the former UN president, Charles Malik, said, the university is the clear-cut fulcrum with which to move the world. More potently than any other means, you change the university, and you change the world. Now, he was probably a little biased. He was a Harvard guy, so you know he very much valued the, the life of the mind. But there's merit to it, Right as we can tell that like any issues that go through kind of the university and college systems it's not long that they begin to trickle down into our culture and society we we all can look out there and we have our frustrations right now for because we see it and so why why roshu christi why why are we needed so much and it really starts with (laughs) these realities that are right here on the screen is today's college students are facing more challenges um, to the Christian faith than Christian faith than they ever have before. Whether you're talking about because we're more of a global society and so students are encountering other students and individuals of different religious backgrounds, other faiths. If you go back even 10, 20, 30 years ago, I dare say that students in Nebraska are not going to be encountering students that are Hindu or Muslim or Um, You know, any of these world religions that that tend to be um, more centered in whether the Middle East or um, the Asia, Asia um, uh, regions, you know. Um, But also, we live in a time when the internet and social media is unavoidable. These students are being inundated. It's being piped into their heads with all these questions and competing voices for what's true and what's not true. And so there's more and more challenges every single day that students are facing. Um, And so I I have a quick thing here that I think it was really interesting. Um, And besides the fact that universities are becoming more and more um, left-leaning and liberal. A study that was done in 1999 revealed that 72% of faculty members describe themselves as politically liberal, which is up from 39% in 1984. And we can probably assume that that's conservative compared to even today. Uh, and so, besides these challenges, there's more and more Christian students that are going to campus that are also underprepared uh, to be able to respond to these challenges, whether it's in being able to defend their own faith or whether it's getting out there and sharing their faith with others in the process. Uh, in 2015, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research did a, a survey on theological beliefs, and the researchers asked self-professing Christians to respond to a series of statements that related to classic, historic Christian doctrine. And in every answer offered related to these theological beliefs, young people believe between the ages of 18 and 34 consistently held heretical views at a higher percentage than older respondents. Young people who identify as Christians are far more likely to hold views that aren't Christian. That's scary. And that really leads to that, that third thing there on the screen that most studies say between 70 and 75% uh, of college age students are walking away from the faith during those years. Um, I mean, the good news is there's a bounce back effect. And um, a lot of times when people get into their uh, mid and upper 20s, maybe they start having families, start recognizing the value um, of having their family in the church, that they, that they do bounce back. Um, But those numbers are still only about 35% um, according to LifeWay research. And so that's, there's a huge need to help students to know why they believe what they believe. And so I just want to kind of, this quick video from our current president, Corey Miller. Oop, maybe. If it doesn't work, I can almost verbatim tell you what it says. Imagine Corey up there is speaking and, and I'll just say the words for him. So Russia and Christie really began in in 2008. There were two students out at Appalachian State University um, who were recognizing that they were in classes with professors and they had peers. They were asking hard questions, especially of Christians. And they looked around and there were no ministries preparing students to be able to answer them. And so what they did is they formed an apologetics club to be able to kind of rally around other Christians and say, hey... How do we answer these hard questions so that not only we're more confident in our faith, but we can share our faith with others? And so after those two students graduated, one of them went off to Southern Evangelical Seminary, um, which was started by Norman Geisler, who was one of the big defenders of inerrancy um, for the last 30 to 50 years. And while at Southern Evangelical Seminary, um, they partnered together with the seminary, and it began to grow. And before you knew it, um, they had chapters that were started on several different campuses. Um, but finally, they reached 2011 when they realized that this thing's growing um, so tremendously that we can't just be operating out of the seminary. And so that's when they created formally um, as, a, as a nonprofit profit 50 50C3, and became Rosho Christi formally. And since then, they've grown on, on campuses all, all around the United States and even internationally. Um, there's um, multiple international chapters, including one in South Africa, um, and so <clears throat> from there, uh, it's grown to between 250 and 300 chapters worldwide. And the goal is in the next five years to double that. And so when you think about uh, what sets Ratio Christi apart, um, as Corey would say, is that we're not just an, a standard apologetics ministry simply because we operate on the campus. We focus on college students. But we're also not just the standard campus ministry because we focus on apologetics and evangelism together. Um, and so that's what really helps set Ratio Christi apart. And so why, why apologetics and evangelism? Uh, if you talk to anyone who's out there doing ministry and sharing the gospel with people, they're going to tell you you need to be able to, to answer some of these questions. The apologist uh, Bobby Conway says that apologetics is not an option. It's a commandment. And we actually will see that in scripture here in a second. Also, R.C. Sproul um, says that evangelism and apologetics are the twin pillars upon which the outreach of the church is built. God has ordained both evangelism and apologetics and the obedient church is faithful with both tasks. So sharing our faith and knowing why we believe what we believe. My academic mentor down there in Dallas... Um, It was was notorious for hearing, hearing him say this over and over and over again, is that we are living in a world in which the Bible has gone from the answer to the question. So we no longer can go out there as Christians say, well, the Bible says, because there's more and more young people, especially that the Bible doesn't hold authority in their lives. And so we have to help them to understand why, when we say the Bible says it's important, because we can trust the Bible Um, to give us reliable um, revelation from God. And we can trust what it says about Jesus as being God's only son. And we can trust what it says about salvation coming through Christ alone, through grace alone and faith. You know, so those things are important in helping us to kind of bridge that gap. And I really like the late Francis Schaeffer, um, who if you've ever heard of him, he was over in Switzerland. He's created a place called La Aubrey, where, where essentially students can come and just ask questions and wrestle together for truth together. Um, but he always considered apologetics like pre evangelism. That is, uh, apologetics is simply there in service to evangelism to remove unnecessary barriers so that someone would consider the gospel um, with sincerity. So, like when we go to the scriptures, one of the go to's always for apologetics is First Peter. In 315. Um, it's one of my favorite books, and the context behind this verse is, I think, incredible, because he tells these suffering Christians that uh, they need to suffer for the Lord, but it has purpose in their lives. It has purpose because not only is it does it refine their faith, but not only does it glorify God, um, but it's also for the sake of the world, because when we live our faith as salt and light, people are going to get curious for why you do what you do. People are going to wonder why you have peace when no one has peace. People are going to ask why you have joy when we live in such a broken world. And it's in that context that Peter tells them, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer, an apologia, which is where apologetics come from, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. So when they ask, having those answers or pursuing to have those answers so that we can better articulate our faith. Uh, I think Paul in Colossians says it very well, um, something about apologetics that's really, really important. He says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As you can see from like Paul here, it's hard for me not to go in like pastor mode and try to like dissect a passage. Um, but Paul says that giving an answer is important, but just as much as being able to give an answer, it's how you do it that's important. He says it's full of grace, seasoned with salt, and so that's something that's always on my heart when I'm working with students, um, because you know those that want to have answers sometimes they're like, man. How do I give that great answer that's just going to crush someone? It's like, no. No. Your heart should be able to have these answers so that someone might come to faith. That someone might trust Jesus. And so when you're doing that, you're you're seeking truth, but you're doing it because you love them, because you know what God has done in forgiving you and you want to see that same forgiveness happen in their life as well. And so how do we how do we go about our mission? What times does Peter usually get done when he, when he doesn't go too long? I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep moving so that we're getting out of here. But yeah, I'll have to give Peter a hard time. That got to keep rolling not go longer than him. But we kind of have these ABCDs of what we do in Rosho Christi. And so the verse is apologetics. It's probably pretty obvious. Uh, but what we do is we get together on a weekly basis. And we have a weekly meeting where we just talk about some topic, or question that people are wrestling with. Um, anything from is God good? Can we trust the Bible? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Um, what do we do with those cultural things that are going on out there? You know, when we're talking about gender and sexuality issues, what do we do when it comes to like critical race theory? You know, like we don't, no holds barred. We have to be able to answer these questions because we've got so many voices that are speaking into the world, and if we don't answer them, that's the only place they have to, to, to get answers from is, is all those, those, those voices that are coming from the culture. So we do that. And then building community. Uh, if you've ever been around college students very long, you'll realize that there's really two things that helps keep their interest. Food and fun, right? <laughs> so you got to have community. you got to have a space for them where they can connect with people that are also like them, similar interests, but they have fun together and they connect and get to know each other. Where they can actually trust each other to ask those hard questions. Um, C. Campus evangelism. Once again, apologetics is nothing if it's not together with evangelism. If it's not in service to the gospel, we're not doing it right. So one of the things that we we (laughs) hope is that as students grow in knowing why they believe what they believe, that they're going to want to go and be able to share their faith more, and it's going to look different. No matter where you're at, context is everything. Uh, I tell students all the time over there at Wayne State, um, you can go onto the campus of UNL and you can probably talk to someone about Jesus and odds are good you'll never see them again in your life if it it doesn't go well, right? But, as we all know, living in a small town, in a place like Wayne State, which is like a small town, um, if it doesn't go well, you're going to see that person every single day. So you have to almost have the thought of, how do I play the long game? How do I build relationships with people that are earnestly caring about the person? How do I learn how to have spiritual conversations that kind of bridge that gap a little bit so that I build trust that hopefully I can get to gospel conversations down the road? It's uh, Greg Kokel, who's an apologist. He always says that there's more tilling, uh, more, more tilling and gardening that happens than harvesting because people's hearts need some tilling. They need some, harvest, or they need some gardening in the process. Um, so in a place like Wayne State, it's like you're, you're, the best ministry is going to look less about being out there in open-air evangelism, and it's going to look a lot more with eating together and building relationships together and finding those places in their life where there's hurt and where Christ can bring healing. And so that's what our evangelism we're hoping to, to see coming out of that. And then D, developing leaders. And this is where I'm really excited. I'm kind of a nerd, and so I, I love to do nerdy things. And so for me, I've been kind of in the process of developing a curriculum to help our, our leaders to grow, um, and not just those that really want to be a part of Rasho Christi, but those who want to lead in other ministries. As uh, I think about what separates Rasho Christi from others, um, every campus ministry has a niche. You know, for, for some, uh, it's, it's almost like they're trying to bring some facet of a Christian or Bible college onto a secular campus. So for example, Crew used to be Campus Crusade for Christ. They'll have a, like a worship service and a guest speaker, and they'll have small groups. So it's almost like they're trying to bring a chapel and small groups onto a secular campus. Well, for Rasho Christi, it's kind of that, like, how do we bring the Christian classroom onto campus? So where a lot of campus ministry tend to focus on the, the heart and the hands of our faith, we want to be the head of the faith that complements and supplements what others are doing. We don't want to stand alone, because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And those all have to come together. And, and so as a part of that, um, Ratio Christi actually has this really cool award they have as the pinnacle for students that are part of Ratio Christi. It's called the Legatus Christi Award. Once again, Latin. Um, for Ambassador of Christ. And um, there's all these criteria. Yeah, I'm not going to go through that. But there's all these criteria that kind of meet, um, like what does a good ambassador for, for Christ look like from Scripture? And there's all these different... Um, There's about 15 criteria of like, hey, you should be growing in this area. You should be growing in your knowledge of the Bible. You should be growing in your love for others. You should be growing in your ability to even lead and to teach others. Um, And so I've built this curriculum um, that's really about two and a half years and students are to be working through these courses who want to go deeper. So this quarter, we're going to be going through how to read the Bible um, as well as intro to apologetics. Next quarter, we're going to be doing um, the story of the Bible and intro to evangelism, and they're going to learn things uh, like, hey, what is a proper biblical view um, of gender and sexuality issues, and what do we do with racial tensions out there, and what do we do with, can we trust the Bible, you know, so all of these courses are going to help them to grow in that area, so whether they're with us or whether they're in other campus ministries, they're going to be better equipped to serve the Lord faithfully in those spaces, and so uh, what is my role My role currently as the chapter director there is is getting the chapter off the ground and running and and, uh, really starting to build some momentum, partnering with churches, partnering with other campus ministries. Um, But once we get to full funding, uh, I'm actually moving up into kind of an area ministry director position over a four-state area from Kansas to North Dakota, as I mentioned previously. And so what is that really going to look like? On a day-to-day, some big things that involve in there is leading the leaders. Currently, Wayne State... Uh, Kansas State, UNL, UNK, we've currently got chapters. And so I'm gonna be there to encourage, to equip, to make sure they have the right resources that they need to do mission effectively on campus. And that they're actually thinking strategically about how to reach students. Also, looking to expand. You know, so finding what campuses would be fertile ground to find students that care about this, as well as um, having some leaders there that can actually get some momentum going. So there's some... um, strategic thinking in that. Um, also, like I mentioned about the whole courses, like for me, I want to help professionalize and develop kind of a, like a startup kit for, for new chapters so that someone is walking onto campus and they're like, I, I'm the new chapter director here. I, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out one, one day at a time. They actually have got good resources that, where they can start from and then make it their own in the process. Um, and then, of course, meeting with students because this is such a student-centered ministry is that if I'm not meeting with students, if we're not meeting with students and hearing the questions and concerns they have, then we're gonna lose touch with what they care about. And then building ministry partners with churches and individuals, and not just for our, our salary and, and living, but also to help connect churches and individuals and families um, with the ministry that maybe they really care about. They care about passing that baton well to the next generation so that they can continue to serve faithfully and be a faithful witness um, wherever they go. I'll tell you, like, my dream, this is part of my dream, and it almost brings me to tears when I think about it. When I was in seminary, one of my professors, who was our missions professor, always used to, like, hound us all the time, saying, we are called to go to the world, but in God's providence, he's brought the world to us. There in Dallas is one of the most diverse from, you know, nations all over the world. They come there, it's like, if we can reach them. And then they go back into their, their countries and their communities, and they're able to impact the world for Christ. Like, imagine how amazing that would be. And for me, I look at that same reality with college students, whether it's Wayne State or UNL or UNK, or we're in the process of getting one up at UNO. um, We've got students coming all over the rural Midwest, for example, at Wayne State. And rural ministry is hard. But they're coming there, and they're getting their education, and many of them, especially in this youngest generation, are wanting to go back. So imagine reaching them for Christ and equipping them to go and having a heart to serve and to love and to, to, to be equipped with some of those answers that answer hard questions, and then they go back into those communities. They come back into Neely. They go back into O'Neill. They go back into Valentine and Shadron and Scott's Bluff, and they bring Christ with them. That's my, that's my heart, and that, that's my dream. And so life transformation that multiplies, that's what it's really all about, um, won't take long here. Um, we went on an a, a, a apologetics conference back in March over to Wisconsin. It was actually on what is a biblical view of hell. Uh, so you can only imagine that that was a strangely fun conference to go to. But we had staff and, and students that were going together. and In fact, we've got one of our, our students there who's really taken a big part in it. Um, her name is McKenna. She's in two of those pictures. Um, before she was even a freshman on campus, She had gone to two conferences and went on a mission trip with Rochelle Christie to to Utah to be able to witness to the the Mormons out there. And so, like, we've got students that are really excited for wanting to know why they believe what they believe so that they can go and thrive. She wants to be a doctor. Like, imagine that, being a doctor, is able to witness, um, live their faith out in that that environment. Uh, All these pictures run together. It's okay. Two weeks ago, we had the, the, uh, um, the clubs fair there at Wayne State, and we got to talk to all kinds of people. Back behind there, there's, there's someone you, you might even recognize, part of the, the Curtis clan, <laughs> who took a picture with us. Uh, <laughs> so it was fun, have Marlena and all kinds of uh, students come and talk with us, and, and a lot of students were really curious about, like, oh, wow, that would be really cool to be, actually be able to kind of grow in, in kind of a formal, structured way. Um, so that, that they, they're more solidified in their faith, and they can share their faith more easily. Um, but we also had other students. Like, one student, his name is Kazi. He's a Muslim. And he came up there, and, you know, he was like, well, you know, as as a Muslim, I'm not against Jesus. He's one of our prophets. And I could tell our our, our uh, student president at the time was getting ready to be like, yeah, but, like, jump on that, that train and, like, have a debate there. But it's like, all right, not the time. Now's the time to build bridges so that, you can build some trust that they know that um, they can come and ask honest questions, wrestle together, so that when we actually have a space when we can talk about those deep things, like what happens when we have our, our Muslim students on campus that they've, they've never had to wrestle with why Christianity has good answers and Islam has some, has some struggling answers um, when it comes to Jesus. We also had another student. Um, his name is Ethan. Uh, he grew up around Wayne, and he had gone to church for uh, most of his growing up, but then high school, just lost interest in church. And his parents didn't require him to go, and, and so he stopped going. And yet, as he's got to college here, he's realizing that he needs to figure out like, what gives an anchor and foundation to his life. Um, because he's realizing that life is pretty empty if you don't have that, that, that strong foundation underneath you. And so I was like, hey, let's go grab coffee sometime and talk about it. And you could almost see the light in his eyes, because he's like, wow, someone to actually be able to explore some of these doubts and questions with. So just really exciting times. And before closing here, I just want to just dive just a smidge into 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. And so I'll go quickly. But since then, you know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is not, what is in the heart. Um, If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come; the old is gone; the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He was, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ. We're making his appeal um, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What almost pains me that I can't just stop and really dive in, I want to focus on verse 20. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And my question is, have you ever really taken the time to, and just sit with that reality that we are Christ's ambassadors? Through our own reconciliation to God through Christ, we have been enlisted in Christ's very work. God could have used any means, any means to do his work, and yet he chose not to leave us on the sidelines. And echoing back to prophet Isaiah's words in Isaiah 6 as he was caught up to the throne room of God. And the seraphim are are giving God praise and the the foundations and the the pillars are shaking and, and the throne room fills with smoke. And Isaiah is there and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And yet the seraphim comes with the coal and his mouth is cleansed. And then God says, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And so as Paul declares that if anyone is in Christ, he's part of the new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. At our new birth, when we received our new life in Christ, we received a new title, ambassador of Christ. And in the same way, God asks, whom shall I send? And whom shall go for us? And my hope is that through the ministry of Rosho Christi, the students, their hearts, and their heads and minds, would heed the call and want to answer, here I am, Lord, send me. To be a good ambassador, one must know the will of the one who they represent, and one must understand the concerns of the people that they're appealing to. Students need to know why they believe what they believe. And they need to know God's will. And they need to know the God who is calling them and sending them. But as they are extending this message of reconciliation, they also need to learn how to help others remove the baggage out of their way. To help them to quell their doubts and to be able to see clearly who is this God who is offering them reconciliation in Christ Jesus. And so, how can you partner with us? There's really three things here, and hopefully, they're no surprise. First one is absolutely prayer. We need your prayer, not only as a family, but pray for students that are off at college right now. Like I said, they are wrestling, their hearts are churning, and they, they need the Lord to be at work through His Spirit um, and to have people come beside them. So, prayer is essential. So, we, we, we beg you, pray for what we're doing. And second, um, and certainly we'd ask you to prayerfully consider if the Lord's calling you to, to partner with us financially. Realize that everyone's in a different place, um, but one of the things that we all know is ministries don't happen without money, and so we, we do need to continue to, to raise our, our, our support in that area. And so um, if you're interested in hearing more or in uh, supporting us financially, you know, I'd love to meet afterwards. Um, one of the big things that we do is we, we don't want to just say, here, click a thing, give. We actually want to meet with people and tell them about what we're doing and if any questions they have um, and just allow them that space to see what the Lord is asking them to give. But third, um, here's one of the cool things that, that, like I said, I'm excited about is that we want to be not just ministering inwardly to the students that we're focused on but I really want us to be focusing also on ministering outwardly um, in churches and families that if you're excited and curious about like why, why do I believe what I believe and you've got questions of your own I've got great resources that i would love to share with you Um, for example um, to those classes i can get you access to all those classes they go through a company called faith life which is actually who does the the presentation software here for the church Um, but they've got a library of over 300 courses that world-class scholars are teaching so if you're curious let me know i'd love to be able to allow you give you access to that also rachel christie has kind of a publishing arm And so we've published all kinds of these booklets. We try to keep them short so it doesn't overwhelm people. Um, So, for example, these two is Bible Reliable Guide to Truth. And Did Jesus Rise from the Dead? Um, So we've got over 30 of these. But if you're interested in these, I can um, definitely hook you up with those. And even I'd love to give you 29 of them, the digital copies. Um, So, yeah, let me know after service. And I would love to do that. Uh, And just, you know, finishing out here. Um, if you're interested in, in hearing more and partnering with us, uh, talk to me after service, and I'd love to set up a time for us to be able to get together with you. Um, thank you guys for your time, and, and hopefully uh, it's been a time of just focus on our hearts. The reality of like uh, going out with the Great Commission and, and sharing our faith, it's scary at times. It really is. Um, but the more we kind of grow in our faith... And the more we trust the Lord to simply just one step at a time and have spiritual conversations, um, you'll never be surprised, you'll always be surprised um, by what the Lord um, will do through those conversations. So, let's pray. Lord God, just thank you for our time this morning. I just pray um, for everyone here.